following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. The things that God is doing in this ministry and ministries around us. So belong, what does belong mean? See, we exist as a ministry to reach people who do not know Jesus. This word connect, we facilitate life change in those who do not know Jesus or who do know Jesus. And then develop is we rely on the Holy Spirit to accomplish our mission here at 19 North. And some cool things and, and amazing things that have been happening in this ministry and in Thrive and in our middle school ministry. Tonight we actually saw 12 middle school kids be baptized with the Holy Spirit. How awesome is that? 12 kids baptized with the Holy Spirit. This past month here at Thrive in 19 North, We've seen over 20 people give their lives to Jesus. How awesome is that? And then lastly, we've, we've seen over 75 people come up to receive prayer for, for sicknesses and, and developing and calling the gift out of them. So, man, things are happening here in this ministry because God is alive and God is here. But tonight I want to talk to you on the, on the second point, which is time. Last week, if you weren't here, you can go onto our podcast, 19 North, we talked about hidden talent. How many times in life we have things that, that are in us, but we let fear in comparison keep us paralyzed from doing what God has called us to do. And tonight I want to talk to you guys about time and specifically what we do with the time that we have. I don't know about you, but I like to procrastinate. I like to, to put things off in the past. I like to put things off. So what I want you guys to do night, tonight is to help me out because this is the, the message, this is the title of my message. It's called, It's My Time. Let your neighbor know it's your time. It's your time. Now, turn to the neighbor that you so kindly neglected and say, no, 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 no. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time. See, time can be our greatest friend or it can be our, our greatest enemy. We can have time for our advantage or it can be our disadvantage. How many people know what I'm talking about? Where are my procrastinators in the room? Because I'm one of them. We have a task at hand, but we have so many excuses why we don't do it. For example, you have a work project that's due in three weeks. What do procrastinators do? They wait to the night before to accomplish the project. And chances are, you're out of time. Or you're going on vacation and you want to look sexy, you want to look good, you want to be the best shape of your life, or maybe you're going on a honeymoon. And, and you had this goal of losing 15 pounds, but it's the week before and you step on the scowl and you're like, my gosh, I just gained 15 pounds instead of losing 15 pounds. Chances are, you are out of time. Or maybe it's some of you single people in the room you have a crush on a boy or you have a crush on a girl and you're too scared or you're too nervous to approach them and let them know how you feel. And time you do actually do it, you realize that they have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Chances are you are out of time. I have a story to tell you about my personal dating with, uh, relationship with my fiance, Ellie. So I recognized Ellie for about a year before I ever approached her. And I mean, I, I, my eyes were set on her. I'm like, man, this girl is drop dead 
gorgeous. I mean, this girl, man, she knows how to sing. She's beautiful from the inside out. I mean, everything about me was like, man, I need to talk to this girl. But I was nervous because I'm like, you know what? A guy like me could never get a girl like her. So it took me about a year, year and a half to finally approach her. And I have to be honest, the first time I asked her out, I texted her, okay? I texted her. I was like, hey, hey, Elle, would you like to go get some Panera bread with me? So she, the good thing was she wasn't taken, and I'm glad she wasn't taken because I get to marry the woman of my dreams in three months. Praise God. Hallelujah. But how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? We waste, th we waste time on things that don't matter, like procrastination or complaining. We have to do something, but we complain along the journey. We complain along the process. Like, I can't believe I have to do that. Do I really have to do that right now? Or maybe it's taking long naps. There are some of you guys that like to take long naps every single day. Or maybe it's playing excessive NHL video games like me and my boy Jojo do every single night. We, we like to go and play some NHL. But what are the things in your life in which you're wasting your time? But there's some of us that aren't procrastinators, but we're never satisfied with the right now. Like we, we have to look at the next big thing in order to feel, uh, feel fulfilled. Or we have to do something else in order to be satisfied. Maybe it's living there. If I could just live there, then I'll be satisfied. Or maybe if it's I'm dating that person, or maybe if I can be in that relationship with that person, then I'll be happy. See, there's some people in this room tonight that are always looking for the next big thing, that they're never satisfied. Or maybe it's that job promotion. You've been in the same position for about three years, and you're saying to myself, why can I not get promoted? If I get that promotion, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be content. See, we can go through life and totally miss the opportunities that are in front of us because we either procrastinate or we're not satisfied with the right now. And we can lose the process of development in those stages. Some, th some things that I really like to spend my time on and I think that I get a return on investment is eating healthy. I love to eat healthy. So I have my, I have my salmon and my asparagus pretty much every single day because I know that my body is a temple of the Lord. Another one is checking out my friends on social media. I like to see what my friends are up to. I want to stay in touch with my friends that moved away or my friends in college that are in a different state. Or maybe it's spending time with like-minded people. We went to Jack Camp, I think, two weeks ago. And, man, I just got to spend about a week with our, our high school students and some of our college students. And it was a phenomenal time. See, my return on investment, it, it, it's, it's, it's fruit in my life. It's satisfaction. It brings me joy. It, it helps that void that's inside of me saying, man, I, I need something more. Because when you spend time with things that matter most, you will have fulfillment. Or maybe it's exercising and staying fit. I love to exercise. Can't you guys tell? I love to get my lift on. Come on. But my grandma over here, she loves to get her lift on as well. And she's 82 right now. And she says, the only dead I know is deadlifting. That girl can take me to the rack when it comes to deadlifting. No, I'm just kidding. You guys didn't like that one. Okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. Okay. <coughs> but guys, time is ticking and the time is now. If I can be honest with you guys, time is flying by. 
And what I want to ask you guys tonight and focus the rest of my message on is, what are you doing with your time? And I think the Bible makes it very clear of where we should spend the majority of our time. But before we go to the Word of God, I want to tell you a story about a marriage. It was a young marriage in which this man, he wasn't feeling well, and he went to the doctors. And the doctors had no idea what was wrong with him, so they sent him to a specialist. And the specialist did some, some tests, and they, they finally got the results back. And he had this rare disease, this rare cancer. And they, they, they said, listen, I don't know what to tell you. So they brought the wife in. And they told the wife, the specialist told the wife, listen, this is going to take a lot of work. You're going to have to cook, cook for him three, days, uh, three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're going to have to keep the house clean. I mean, it has to be spot clean or else he can get even sicker. So you're going to have to commit your full, a full time to him. And you're going to have to serve him whenever he wants. So she goes and she leaves the room. And she goes to the husband. And, and the husband's nervous. And he said, what, what are the doctors saying? What's the diagnosis? What's wrong with me? And the wife, what the wife said was, baby, they want me to cook for you. They want me to serve you. They want me to keep the house clean. So I have bad news for you. You're going to die. Because I am not going to do that. I, I don't have the time for that. But I think this is kind of a, a cheesy story. But a lot of times we see in, in somebody's life, we see a need in somebody's life, and we say things like that. I, I just don't have time for that. Or that's too much for me. If I could be transparent with you, I kind of get an attitude when it comes to things that I want to do. When, it, when my fiance asked me to clean the dishes, I get this attitude like, you, you really want me to do that right now? Like, that is, that is so much work. Like, why can't you ask somebody else to do it? And I think we can kind of get that attitude and we can have that kind of perspective on life where, my gosh, why do we have to do that? But Jesus is our perfect example. And tonight I want to look at what Jesus did when he walked this earth. And what he did with the majority of his time. And I want to look at John 13, 1 and 2. And it's going to be on the screens behind me. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in process. Progress And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. See, we read in this text, if you guys don't really know your, your, your Bible, and I want to explain to you and kind of unfold this so we all can have an understanding. This was right before Jesus was about to be crucified. This was right before he was going to die for, for me and for you. This is right before he was going to be hung on a tree for me and for you. And if you guys don't know what happened during his week, I want to explain to you. On Monday, he went into the temple, and there was people trading and selling above the market value. They were ripping the people off to go make sacraments and, and, and sacrifices because that's what they had to do in the Old Testament. So what he did was he cleansed the temple. He was flipping over, over table. He was righteously angry at those people because what they were supposed to be doing good, they turned it and perverted it to evil. And then Tuesday, we see that he was in a fight with the Pharisees, with the religious people. And they were questioning him. They were asking him, like, what do you, who do you say you are? 
Who do you say you are? And they already knew the answer. So he was righteously angry. Then he was fighting with the, uh, with the Pharisees, the religious people. If this is your first time here, I want you to know that we are not religious here. We have a relationship with Jesus. We love Jesus. We love the Holy Spirit. We love God our Father. And we're not religious here. We won't do things to earn our salvation. But God has paid a price for me and for you. And then on Wednesday, there was no record of what he was doing. But on Thursday night, he was gathered in the secret room with his closest friends. And they were re he was ready to give his final speech, which was the communion, the institution of communion, about his body and his blood, how his, his body was broken for me and you, how his blood was shed so that we might have a relationship with God, that we no longer have to earn ourselves or we no longer have to go through things to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And he, know, and he knew he was about to be betrayed by one of his disciples. And the next day he knew that he was going to be beaten and tortured, that he was going to hang on a tree. And according to Luke's gospel, a huge fight broke out. I mean, an argument broke out against the disciples because one man asked this question, who here is the greatest? Who here is the greatest? They were acting like a bunch of two-year-olds in the room when Jesus was about to die. And they started to argue, I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I'm, I'm his favorite. And then John stood up, and this is how I kind of envisioned this. John stood up and he said, well, guys, I'm the one that Jesus loves. He even told me that. I'm, I'm the one that Jesus loves. And then Peter, he steps up, John, you don't know anything because I'm the one that stepped out of the boat and I walked on water while you guys, you guys stayed in the boat. And the disciples started to laugh and they said, Peter, you sank and Jesus had to rescue you. Who do you think you are? And then Bartholomew, he said, what about me? And the disciples literally were laughing hysterical and they said, who are you, Bartholomew? No one's even going to know that you're a disciple. Because I had no idea if Bartholomew was a disciple until I had to read the text again. But they asked this question, who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? And Jesus said, I already told you. And in Matthew 23, 11, it says, the greatest among you will be your servant. See, Jesus, he did not come to be served. But he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In John 13, 3 through 5, we're going to continue this text. It says, so Jesus got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. See, Jesus, at his final meal, he sat down with his closest friends, and there was two things that he saw at that table. He saw, he saw proud hearts and dirty feet. And what Jesus did the most with his time was he served other people. In the final hour, when Jesus was about to be crucified and betrayed by his disciples, he saw proud hearts and dirty feet. And Jesus thought to himself, and he said this, I can do this. And some of you guys are probably asking, what's the significance of washing feet? Why did he wash the disciples' feet? It, it was a common courtesy, kind of like in our days when somebody's coming over and it's cold out. We say, hey, let, let us take your coat or can I give you something to drink? 
in Jesus' time, it was a, he, they would give him a kiss. They would greet him with a kiss. And then they would wash their feet. But, but the, the host would not wash their feet. They would have a servant do that for them because they thought they were just a little bit too above washing their guest's feet. And what I love about this text is that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to put myself at the, load, the bottom of the totem pole, and I want to wash your feet because I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to take care of you. I don't know about you, but I hate feet. I hate feet, especially I hate my own feet. For about two years, I would not take my socks off or let Ellie see my feet because I have eight feet. I mean, my feet are disgusting. It runs in my family. I'm like, man, I, if I show my feet to her, she's going to break up with me. I'm not kidding you. I hate feet. So what do I do when I'm, when I'm hanging out at my house and I usually have no shirt on and my socks are off and I have you know, shorts on and I'm just hanging out? The first thing I do when somebody comes to the door is I go find socks and put on my feet. I don't worry about putting a shirt on. But at dinner... Jesus saw proud hearts and dirty feet. And Jesus got up. He put a slave's apron on in a bucket. And Jesus knelt down and he washed the disciples' feet. At that time, Jesus realized that there was a need at that table. That there was a need at that gathering. Because their feet needed to be clean. So Jesus found a need. And he filled it. It was about a, a year and a half ago, there was a position here at Victory. And it wasn't the youth pastor. It wasn't an assistant to the youth pastor. It wasn't the young adults. But it was a janitor position that came, came, came available. And I was working another job. And I realized that this job was open for about three months. And I said, you know what? Maybe I, I need to apply for this position. But the th first thing that I thought of is, man... What are my friends going to think of me? What are my, what are my family, what are they going to think of me? How are people going to treat me when they see me uh, pushing, uh, pushing a cart? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to make fun of me? And I thought, man, th this, this is beneath me. And I thought I was a pretty humble dude. I thought, I thought man, I, I, Lord, I, I humble myself before you. But at that time, when I was pushing that cart and the, the congregation was coming out of service, I would hang my head because I had pride in my life. I thought I was humble, but I realized through this journey of be, being a janitor here, it made me realize that I had pride in my life. And I would not trade that for the world because, man, that was a lesson learned for me, that I'm never above anything. If there's a need that needs to be happened, if there's a need here, I'm going to fill it. And there's some of you guys tonight, God's tugging on your heart. He's been tugging on your heart. He's saying, man, it's time that you serve. And I'm not promoting 19 North. I'm not promoting victory. I'm talking about serving your, your loved ones. I'm talking about serving your community. I'm talking about serving your family. See, when your heart, when you serve with the right heart, it's not about you. Your gifts your talents, it's not about you. You don't need to be acknowledged. You don't need to be repaid when you're serving God. You don't need to post a selfie 
over here helping at 19 North or helping out the old people's home. That's not what God wants when we serve him. And I just want to read three short testimonies of people that serve here within Thrive in 19 North. The first one comes from Anna. She says this, God has used serving to do a lot in my life, like build strong relationships, align my heart with his, love people, remind me that he loves me. However, one of the biggest things that I've seen him use it to do is to reveal my specific purpose and gifts. There are gifts that he has placed in my heart that I have no doubt, I know I would never have found them if I haven't spent time serving. And it's cool because the more I serve in any way that I'm needed, the more God has given me opportunities to serve in the ways that I'm really passionate about and that aligns with the purpose that he has revealed to me. The second one is Mike. Mike said this, serving has shown me what the church body looks like in motion. If I, have ever ser- if I would have ever served, I would never have seen how my own unique skills and traits would work with the skills and traits of others to advance the gospel. To me, it's a beautiful thing. On top of that, the most, it's the most fun, thrilling times of my life that I have ever come to has been through serving. And lastly, Nick, who's a 17, 16, 17-year-old kid that, that helps uh, at Thrive. Um, he's our usher. He, he oversees a team of ushers, and he's a great leader. He says this, serving has impacted me because it has helped me to grow as a leader. Spiritually, I'm responsible for my team and making sure that everyone is on a good track with God. If they have issues in their lives, I can pray with them and believe that their problems will be be solved. I've also learned to always be accountable and that when I say something will get done, I will get it done. We see that the greatest act that me and you can do is to serve other people. Jesus is our greatest example. We should look to him in our leadership. We should look to model our lives after him because he fulfilled his purpose. He fulfilled the call of God on his life. And it was because he served others, because he had, he had others' first mentality. Tonight, this message isn't to condemn you if you're not serving, but this message is to help uplift you to realize that there's a bigger need other than yourself, that there's other people out there that need help, that that needs your service. Because as we looked last week that we are the body of Christ, that we each have talents according to the grace that has been given to us. My question to you is what happens when you're not using your gift and talents? The answer is the body cannot function the way it needs to function. If you want to change your relationships with your family and friends, serve them. If you want to find meaning in life and you feel like you're at a dead end, I want to challenge you to start serving people. If you want to make a difference in this world, and we, we see the destruction and the darkness that is just coming out of people in this world, people are killing themselves. We're seeing tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. I can tell you this, we can impact people by serving them. In fact, we have. We were able to give, I think, 20-plus Bibles to, to, to West Virginia. There was a big flood there. And it was through your guys' generosity that we were able to impact people in a different state for the kingdom of God. But if you want to glorify God, serve. 
Because John 13, 1, and we're going to go back to that text, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. As he looked around the room, he saw proud hearts and dirty feet. And he said this, I can do this. This one is mine. He saw a need. He got up and he filled it. Because servants do. And we're called to be stewards and servants of this gospel. This gospel needs to be preached. This gospel needs to be heard to other nations. And tonight, I want to challenge you. Because I'm not here to always speak an uplifted message. Because that would do us no good. But as the body of Christ, if you guys are not serving anywhere, I want to challenge you. You need to start serving. You need to start thinking about other people. Because this world needs us. This world needs us. It says that we're the light of the world. And if we're not active, that light cannot be exposed to everybody else. We are the light of the world, a city on top of a hill that cannot be hidden. I want to serve people until I see the very end. And I hope that's your hearts here as well. You want to serve people. Because we can only make a difference by serving and loving other people. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to have a simple invitation to you guys tonight to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm going to simply ask you to raise your hand. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And Jesus will come into your heart. I'm telling you, this was the best decision that I could ever make. When I accepted Jesus in my heart, there was that void that was filled. I began to understand that I had purpose and I had a destiny on this earth, that I was no longer going through the motions, that God had huge dreams for me. And that can be you tonight. You have this void in your heart that needs to be filled. And only Jesus can fill that. Drugs and alcohol and pornography and sex cannot fill those needs. Because I can tell you this, I've tried that stuff. And I came up empty and void every single time. Only Jesus can fill that need tonight. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. And Jesus will come into your heart. One, two, three. Is there anybody here tonight that says, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life? Anybody at all? I see that hand back there. All right, what I want to do is I want everybody to repeat after me for those of those, uh, for those who raised their hand. Just repeat after me this simple prayer. Dear Father God, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you are holy and that you died for me. So right now, I repent for my ways and I turn towards you. And I say this, that you are the Lord of my life, that you will protect me, and you'll keep me safe. We thank you.